0: Welcome to the Family Church Sermon Podcast. Join us each week as we look to the Bible to seek out what it means to love God passionately and love people personally. For more information about our weekly gatherings and how you can be part of our outreach, visit jointhefamily.church. Hint, it might have been me. (laughs) Dean was like, let's take a break from the Revelation series and, and do something, you know, kind of break things up. What do you want to talk about? I was like, well, let's talk about loving God and loving others cuz at family church we're here because we love God passionately and we love people personally. We get that from what Jesus says is the greatest commandment in the second which is like it, which is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind. And last week brother Andre walked us through what that looked like. What it really looked like to love God with our heart, soul, and mind, and it was phenomenal. If you missed it, I think it should be up on the podcast uh, soon. If not soon, then very soon. And if not, we will bring him in on a Tuesday just to give it again so you can hear it. Because it was dynamite. Because we think about loving God as something that is, that is just hard to do and like an abstract concept and, and things that are just beyond our understanding. But that's not at all what it is. It was something simple. It was to love God with a focused mind. To love God with a... With a um, can you pull that slide up for me? Uh, last week's, sorry. I know all these, too. I, yeah, I oh, no, not know, just, uh, it should be the first slide, I think. Love God. Uh, yeah, one more. There it is. Love God with a passionate love, an exclusive love, and a focused love. These are three simple things that we can easily do. And it was beautiful to be reminded of how simple it really is to love God. This week, we're going to look at what it means to love our neighbor as ourself, and, and we're breaking this part up into two weeks, because we are called to love our neighbor as ourself. So I like to look at it and say, what does it mean to love our neighbor as ourselves? Well, first, we have to have an understanding of what it means to love ourselves, because if we're called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves, we have to ask the question, how do we love ourselves? Do we love ourselves well? What well, what does that look like for us? First, I want to go ahead and let's read that scripture. Matthew 22, uh, verses 34 to 40. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they came together, and one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, what is the greatest commandment? He said to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important commandment. The second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. The Law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. pray Lord, uh, as we come to your word, as we come to look at what you say is important, help us understand it. Help, it. help us to let it be something that gets buried down deep in us, so that we can love you passionately and love people personally, so that we can be known as a people marked by love, so that we can understand what the call is, and how to walk that out, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 So I I think we need to have a proper understanding of what it means to love ourselves. And now, to be sure, some people love themselves too much. (laughs) If you have social media, you know that is a true statement. But I think realistically, I don't think people love themselves enough, or at least properly. Because if we're called to love others as we love ourselves then what does that actually look like? Uh, Well, I think it starts with just really needing to know who we are. The self-help industry is a $10.5 billion a year industry. $10.5 billion is what people spend annually trying to figure out how to love themselves, how to be better. Now, we have to be careful because this can get real tricky. This is not loving ourselves as the world tells us to love ourselves. But a worldly love is is really a me-first love. A a worldly love is a do-what-makes-you-happy love. A worldly love is about self-pleasure and self-fulfillment. And then we move on from those things. But a biblical love, a biblical love, a godly love, is a love that loves because you are loved. Jesus says in John 15, 12, this is my commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Biblical love is about knowing who you are. Biblical love is about knowing your worth. Ah. One of the first places we have to start, I think, is what do we say to ourselves? Because what we say to ourselves is often a reflection of how we're going to speak to other people, or at least what we think of other people as well. So in the quiet of your own mind, when it's just you, because you spend more time with yourself than you will with any other person on this planet, (laughs) what do you say? Are, are you negative? Do you, are you down on yourself? Do you demean yourself? Do you say things like, oh, I'm so stupid. Oh, I don't understand why I can't get anything right. I just, I can't ever do anything good. If these are the words that you're speaking to yourself, if this is how you're loving yourself, then how might we love somebody else? According to research, the ideal praise to criticism ratio is five to one, five to one. So for every negative thing you say, you need five positive things in order to overcome that thing. Uh. Growing up, our kids, for some reason, I don't know why, I blame Jake, Jake used to say you're weird to Marcus a lot, one of our boys. Uh, but anyway, they used to say things too like, oh, I'm so dumb. And we'd stop them and instantly, no. And we'd say five positive things. Yes. Now. We have not been consistent with that, I'm not going to lie to you, because we're not perfect parents. But we understood, at least when they were little, that that was important. The self-talk you give to yourself is very important. We have to be careful with the words that we speak to ourselves, because we can only give out what's in you. You're called to love others as yourself. You can really only give to someone what you have. If somebody asks me, if if Dean is like, Pastor Dean's like, Mike, I need to borrow some money. Can you write me a million dollar check? I can write the check. That's not a problem. (laughs) I can't give you the money, but I can give you a check. I can only give what I have. Garbage in, garbage out. And it's always gonna come out. If those things are in there, they're gonna come out. So if you're hiding sin in your life, you're going to assume others are hiding sin in their life. They they say in relationships that the person who generally accuses someone else of infidelity is the one who has infidelity. Because you're going to always put out what's in. If you're plotting and scheming ways to get ahead in life, you're going to more than likely view people as tools. If you're operating from a place of pain and hurt, you're going to assume others are as well. But if you know that you're loved, if you know that you're accepted, you're going to love others that same way. And I think we should look to Christ as our example. Surprise. Surprise. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. If you have a Bible or a phone, you can flip to it. If you're not sure, it's about that far page 1433 if that helps you Uh, if you've got a digital Bible you can just touch Philippians go to chapter 2 I don't have it on the screen because I want us to actually look at this together because I think this is key this is foundational in us understanding how we love others as ourselves as we look to Jesus as our example now years ago it used to be popular WWJD right what would Jesus do and then they came out with, he would love first. And that's accurate as well. Uh, chapter 2. Uh, and I think that's a really good question, is what would Jesus do? Thankfully, we have an answer. So I'm going to read. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation in love, if any fellowship in the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way and having the same love united in Spirit intent on one purpose, what is that purpose? Verse three tells us, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look out not to his own interest, but rather the interest of others. How do we do that? Paul tells us in verse five, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God did not consider equality with God as something to be exploited, Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a servant, taking on the likeness of humanity. And when he had come as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is our example. And that's a high example. Like, it is an example that we look at and go, I don't understand, how could I possibly do anything with that? But it starts with just knowing we're loved by God. And we can question that. We can, we can wonder, how could God love me? David, in the Psalms, asked that question. Uh, Psalm 8.4, what is a human being that you remember him, the sum of man that you look after him? Ah, David, when he looks out at the universe, goes, God, how could you possibly even know me, let alone love me? Well, the Bible tells us that you are chosen by Christ, cared for by the Creator, yeah. made in the image of Christ, loved and valued by God Most High. Yeah. That is who you are. I think, though, one of the, the biggest things that stops us from really understanding how much we are loved by God, how we can love others as ourselves, one of the, the, the greatest things is unforgiveness. And I'm not talking about the unforgiveness we have towards others. Because again, you can only give out what's in you. I'm talking about the unforgiveness we hold on to for ourselves. The unforgiveness that we hold on to our past sins or our past mistakes or past mistakes that, that, that we look at into our current situation and then again go, I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm never going to be able to move forward. I'm never going to be the dad I want to be. I'm never going to be the mom I want to be. I'm, my business is never going to do good because I know the mistakes that I've made in the past. And so we take those mistakes and we build a cage out of those mistakes. And then we lock ourselves in. We lock ourselves in that cage of unforgiveness. And then when we come to interact with other people, we keep them at arm's distance because I know who I am. I know the things I've done. You've probably done those same things too. You're going to hurt me just like they hurt me. But it's because we can't forgive ourselves. We can't just receive. God's already forgiven you. Christ on the cross dies and says, It is finished. It's finished. It's done. He didn't say, It has begun. Now you get to do the hard work. It's finished. Our job is to walk in the forgiveness he's given us but one of the biggest things we have to overcome in order to love others as ourselves is to learn to forgive ourselves as christ has forgiven us because if my call is to is to love uh, dean as myself as my brother in christ i'm called to love him as myself if i refuse to forgive myself to refuse to accept god's forgiveness for me how can i forgive him if he offends me which you never have of course it's been the other way a few times, but when we do that, when we start to learn to forgive ourselves, we can move forward in loving others as we, as we ought to. Amen. So it starts then with, with knowing who we are, because as we read in Philippians 2 there, right, uh, we're looking to Jesus as our example, and here's the thing I know, is Jesus is able to to love others greater than anyone else ever has. Yes. I mean, to leave perfection to come down to earth, to take on human flesh, to, to, to walk in the dirt, to experience hunger and, and pain and, and, and tiredness and frustration and all these things, to experience all of these things, and then to die on a cross for a sin he did not commit for people who don't even like him, and then to forgive them while he's on the cross. That's a love that I want to be able to have. When I look at Jesus, that's what I see. I see love. When I read through the entire scriptures, I see love. When I read through Leviticus, and I see God giving the the commandments to the people in Exodus and and all the laws and rules that he gives in in, uh, Leviticus and stuff, I see love because I see a God who says, I'm going to call you into community with myself. Now that you're part of my community, this is how I expect you to act. That's love. I want to love like that. The first thing I know about Jesus, or notice about Jesus in that scripture, is that he does all of this without seeking his own Mm self-interest. And I think it starts with an extremely simple thing. Jesus knows who he is. Like He's not confused at all. Jesus is 100% content and knowing Who he is. He is loved by the Father. Mm -hmm. He is the eternal begotten Son of God. He is the Word of life. Ah, He is the Word that is spoken over creation to make all things exist. In all things, everything finds its substance and is held together. Jesus knows who he is. One of the first things we have to do when we start to want to love others as ourselves, we, we, we accept that forgiveness from God, we learn to forgive ourselves. And then we love out of our being. We love from our being in Christ. Now, we're not perfect. We're not Jesus. But we do belong to him. Colossians 3.3 3 says, For we died and your life is hidden in Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, You have been crucified with Christ, yet we live. Yes. Ephesians 1.13, as Brother Andre spoke, is We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. When God looks at you, he says, That one is mine. That's how we can love, because we understand that's who I belong to. That's what God sees when he looks at me. When he looks at me, he doesn't see my past mistakes. He doesn't see my failures. He doesn't see any of that. Instead, he looks at me through the lens of Christ and goes, oh, my favorite. When he looks at, when he looks at Robert, he goes, oh, my favorite. Tell him he said that when he wakes up. That's who we are. <laughs> That's who we are. And in order to love like we want to love, because I think if we took a, a poll, I think it, I feel comfortable saying everybody in here has done that at some point, is wanted to look at somebody and go, or, or said to themselves, I don't understand why I can't love them the way I want to. Like, I wanna do this, I wanna do that, I just can't seem to do it. It starts with just knowing who you are. We have to settle our identity. It has to be completely cemented and settled inside of us. Uh, Emily Freeman, in her book, The Next Right Thing, says, my identity is beloved. I want to image God in community through forgiveness and celebration, not in order to get acceptance, but because I already have it. Ah. When we're trying to love others as ourselves, we should be coming from a place of knowing that I'm accepted. I'm loved by the Father. I'm forgiven in Christ. That's where I'm coming from. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so th- that I'm not worried about, oh, are they going to accept me? Are they going to like me? None of that matters. Like It doesn't matter if you like me. I mean, I want you to, but it doesn't matter. Ultimately, I'm not trying to love you. I- I'm not trying to serve you in order to get your acceptance. I'm doing it because I have acceptance. Amen. I'm doing it Amen. because I have love. I'm doing it because I am a child of God. So I can love. And if you don't reciprocate it, it doesn't mean anything. Like, what does it matter if you don't love me back? I'm loved by God. Like, the king of kings loves me. The thinker of dinosaurs says that one is mine. Like, that's who loves me. That's who's got my back. So I can do all sorts of things from that place if I can settle that in my identity. I say I, and I mean we. Because we all have to make that personal statement. We all have to be the ones who say, I am loved by Christ. Yes. I am accepted. Because that's what the Bible tells us we are, is accepted by Jesus. Amen. But instead, our minds get split and twisted and, and bent, and we, we get all sorts of weird thinkings. Like, um... It used to be called Multiple Personality Disorder, I think now it's called DID, Dissociative Identity Disorder, right? And um famous case is Sybil. Seen that? What was that actress's name? I can't remember now. Sally Thank you, I just watched that not too long ago. I kept saying Sally Struthers and that was Archie. Um, but anyway, so, what what this is, is uh, multiple personalities, dissociative identity disorders, it's usually something happens when, when they're children and something very traumatic happens and their mind just kind of splits. So in order to protect themselves, these different identities or personalities will come out in different situations. Now usually there's a few that are in there and a lot of times they don't even know they're there. Like most times there's not a lot of communication, if any, between the different personalities that exist in that person. So they're they're at school, for example, and and they're Sally, and then they go home and they're Bob because uh, the husband says something and she doesn't like it, so Bob takes over, right? That's not what we're called to be. We're not called to be people who have our minds split and in different situations, that's who comes out. We are called to be people who understand that we are a child of God. And when we go into a situation, we're going into it from that place of love and acceptance from the Father. So it doesn't matter what situation you walk into, you're walking in as a victor. Ah. And you can love from that place. Amen. Amen. First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you might proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Hallelujah. What a verse. Ah. One of my favorite verses in the Bible. That's who you are. Like kids do it a lot, is they'll write down something, right? Like, especially like, well, I've seen it on TV. I've never actually seen my daughter do this, but I guess she does sometimes. Is they'll write things down that they want to make sure they remember about themselves or that important and they'll put them on their mirror so when they look at the mirror they see that as well. I think we could all take a lesson from that and write down this verse and put it on our bathroom mirror. So when you walk into the bathroom and you're washing your hands and you look up and you read, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you might proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And maybe even put your name in there. Ah. Right? So, like, I'm going to use Miss Nancy as an example. Here's how easy it is to do this. Nancy, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a person of his possession, so that I might proclaim the praises of the one who called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. And you start saying that over and over and over again like a heartbeat. You start proclaiming the truth of God like a heartbeat. You, you start, like a, like a mantra, you just start taking the things that are true that God says about you, and you start pushing them deep into your soul. So that no matter what, just as your heart is beating, you are thinking those things. I am chosen by God. I am walking in his light. I am forgiven by Jesus. Because then when you do that, when you start to push those things down deep, in any situation you walk into, you're not multiple personalities anymore. You are a solid child of God. And it doesn't matter what's going on because you're saying, I'm going to love like Jesus loved because he loves me. And I'm going to come from that place of acceptance. I'm going to come from that place of victory in Jesus. And I'm going to love like he loves. And when you make mistakes, and you will, because we all do, Pick yourself back up, say, Jesus, I'm sorry, and you move on. Uh, practicing the presence, Brother Lawrence writes, and he says, uh, about repentance, is that the thing that he's come to is realize is that when he falls and when he sins, he repents, and then he's got to move on. And he prays a simple prayer, God, forgive me, don't let me go, because without you, I'd do the same thing again. And that's it. And then he's like, and then I move on with myself. So when you make mistakes, when you fall down, you get back up and go, I am chosen by God. I am accepted by the Father. I am loved by the Creator. I am going to do what He does. Now, this is where it gets a little weird, right? We we get all that, right? We're all sold on that. Good. Amen. We're all going to walk out of here walking in victory and power no matter what comes our way. Amen. Okay, so we get that. Right? We settle that down deep in ourselves. We, we take the attitude of Christ knowing who we are like Jesus did. Being able to do all of that, power, strength, we're good to go. Now we're going to walk out these doors and we're going to love people like Jesus did. We're going to love our neighbors ourselves. First thing we have got to do is humility. Next week we're going to look at some examples of what it actually means to love our neighbors ourselves. right? But before we even get to that, the first thing we've got to do is be so secure in who we are and set it all aside. Because that's what Jesus did. But humility is a a funny thing and a hard concept. When I first became a Christian, I had no idea what it meant. So I did the thing a lot of people do when you don't understand humility, is you just demean, you downgrade yourself. You talk bad about yourself oh, I'm stupid, I'm useless, I'm worthless, I've got no good in me. You say all these things, right? And so I did that. I did what a lot of people do, is I would say those things. The problem is, is I still thought pretty highly of myself. Sure, I would say, oh, I'm so humble. Like Moses. Moses writes in the Bible, Moses was the most humble man who ever lived. Right? Humility is a hard thing to understand, What helped me was C.S. Lewis's quote, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Ah. That's humility. That's all it is. It's just thinking about yourself less. Mm -hmm. Not putting yourself at the center and forefront of everything that goes on. It's simple. So it, it can be simple things like, you're on your way home from work, you know you've had a rough day, you're like, oh, I want some ice cream because who doesn't want ice cream after a bad day? So you're like, oh, I want some ice cream. So you stop at the store, and you're looking at ice cream, and you're like, ooh, all these great flavors, right? <coughs> Little Debbie's got these new versions out. I don't know if you've seen those, by the way. Total sidetrack. They're okay. It's, yeah, all right. There was a Star Crunch one, and it was like, Eh, I see what they were going for, but eh, it wasn't a home run. But anyway, Ben and Jerry's, they got good ice cream. So you're looking at ice cream, here's what it means to put yourself aside and stop putting yourself as the focus and forefront in your entire life and learn humility. As you're looking at ice cream, and if you're a man, as I am, so I'm gonna speak from a male perspective, is I'm gonna stop and do this, I'm gonna call my wife. I'm not gonna text her, because she doesn't respond. I'm gonna call her, (laughs) say, Grace knows what's up. I'm gonna call her and say, hey, I was thinking about getting some ice cream. What do you want? Now, if I'm a good boy, that's what I do. (laughs) We'll see. Ben and Jerry's is expensive. (laughs) Cheat and go to McDonald's and pay a dollar for the soft serve cone. Uh, But that's all it is. That's all you're doing. Not putting yourself at the center and focus of your entire life. That's humility. It's the first step in loving others as we're supposed to love ourselves. We cement down deep, deep inside of us, who we are. And then we set it aside so we can love others as we're supposed to. One of the easiest ways to do that is to not take yourself too seriously. Don't think you're above something else. Abraham was called by God to start a nation, and then he went back to tending sheep moved around like 17 times. David was anointed king somewhere about 15 years old and then had to wait about another 15 years before he was crowned king. Joseph was given dreams that he would rule and was then sold into slavery. The apostle Paul was called by Jesus himself in blinding light and at one point was stoned and left for dead. Peter was told that on his confession, Jesus would build his church and was then crucified upside down. Ah. We can't think that our calling as children of God makes makes us more important than the one who calls us. We are only here because we stand on the shoulders of giants who have gone before us and made Ah. a way. As my nana used to say, don't get too big for your britches. That's the first step, is we just set it aside. We know who we are. We cement it down deep inside of us. We wake up in the morning, and whether we believe it or not, we tell ourselves the truth of Scripture. I am loved by God. Some mornings, it's more of a, Jesus, I don't know why you love me, but you do. And then after a while, it does start to become the reality of who you are. You start to believe it. And we have parents in the room? I think we got some parents, right? Okay, good, you're gonna get this. If you're not a parent, I will try to think of another example for you. Uh, but as a parent, if you're a mom, right? You're a mom. You, you have, whether you, you are a, a biological mom, you've given birth to these children, or you've brought them in by some other means, adoption, marriage, whatever it might be, it doesn't matter, you are a mom. You know how I know you're a mom? Because you know you're a mom. Because when I say you're a mom, you go, oh. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to go, huh, he's asking if there are any moms in here. I wonder, hmm, huh. uh, well, I don't know. Me, kinda, I guess in a way. No, when you're a mom, you know it, because you are tired, <laughs> perpetually tired. I asked my wife first thing in the morning, how you doing, baby? Oh, I'm tired. <laughs> Ask her after dinner, how are you? 11 o'clock at night, she's not tired anymore for some reason. But you're a mom. You know you're a mom through and through. It is the fiber of your being when you were a mother. Like, you know it. Nobody has to tell you you're a mom. You know this to be true. You have changed the diapers. You have cleaned the puke. You have made the dinner. You've done the dishes. You've given the baths. You have spent sleepless nights worrying about your child it doesn't matter what the issue is anything that happens to your children is like a gut punch to you as a mom you know that you're a mom nobody has to come up and tell you that you're a mom nobody has to convince you that you're a mom when you are a child of God you need it cemented that deep down inside of you That's how deep it needs to be inside of you so that you know, I am a child of God. does not matter what else is going on. It's that deep inside of you. Because then you don't have a problem setting things aside to love others as yourself. Because you know who you are. Like, you know. So like I said, next week, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some examples of what it means to love others as ourselves, taken, of course, from Scripture. But before we we finish up our time today, we have to evaluate ourselves. And there, there are two specific things I want us to look at. First, do I know that I know that I know that I'm in Christ? Or have I just been playing? Right? Like you ever, you do it mostly when you're younger. Would you play house? Have you just been playing house with Jesus? Or have you settled this thing deep down inside? And the second question is maybe you are. Maybe you have settled it down deep. You know that you belong to Jesus. But what you realize is you refuse to forgive yourself for things. that you can move forward and strengthen victory. So we're going to have a time of response. And while we do that, Dean and I, maybe Julie, we're going to be up here and we're going to pray. We'll be available to pray with you, to, to, to love on you, to encourage you, to help you walk in forgiveness if that's what you need to do, or to help you take that step of faith and say, Jesus... I want to know. I want to know that I'm forgiven. I want to know that you love me. Because here's the thing. I'm just going to really briefly. I'm going to tell you this. When I came to Christ, it had nothing to do with forgiveness. It had nothing to do. I didn't even know Jesus was the forgiving type. Honestly, I didn't. I didn't know anything about Jesus whatsoever other than his name, and I think he's supposed to be God. Here's what I needed to know. Does he love me? Because I don't. Nobody else seems to. And I need somebody who will love me. So my, my big prayer of faith was just that. Jesus, if you're real and you want me, you can have me. Amen. Forgiveness, it was probably about a year and a half later before I knew anything about forgiveness, and I was like, oh, I'm a sinner. (laughs) Crap. I said other words. (laughs) And then I prayed, and I was like, Jesus, forgive me. I didn't realize I had done these things. But it started with just, I need to know I'm loved. I need to know somebody cares at all. So today, my two questions are simple. For your response time, for your self-evaluation, do you know that Jesus loves you? And do you know you've forgiven yourself? That's what I want you to think about. And if you need prayer, that's what I want you to come forward and pray about. If you need prayer for anything other than one of those two things, go see Andre in the back. Andre will pray for you. I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, if you want healing, go see Andre. Like, if you need something else in your life right now, awesome. Ask for prayer. Go see Andre. But if you, no, I'm serious because I don't want I don't want there to be any confusion, right? So like. I am going to be standing here. Dean's going to be standing there. If you need to know that you were loved by the God of the universe, you come forward and ask for prayer. If you need to know how to forgive yourself, you come forward for prayer. So we're going to have Reese. We have lost our bass player. And we're going to take some time to respond. Lord Jesus, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for this day. I thank you for your unconditional love. It's unconditional. You don't, you don't say, fine, I'll, I'll love you. you. You don't allow everybody in and just kind of welcome some. No, it's unconditional. You want each one of us to know that we are your favorite, that you love us that we're yours. Yes, Lord. There is nothing better in this world to be than yours, Jesus. Because in those quiet times when we're down on ourselves, you are there. In those times when we find confusion and we don't know what to do, you're there. Closer than a brother. And not only do you love us, Jesus, but you say that we're your friend to be your friend. Jesus, if there are any of us in here who, who are wrestling with that, push us forward towards you. Draw us in because when we're in you, Jesus, everything changes. Jesus, I love you. I'm so thankful for this morning, for your love and your goodness. Bless your name, Lord have your way in our hearts. Amen.